And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Japanese for 10 men, 10 colors. Oh, nice. Which is an idiom for different strokes for different folks. Oh. Uh, I figure we got uh, 20 men in 10 team colors, so it almost works. Uh, I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm good. I'm sitting at my computer, which is connected to the internet, and I'm looking at Rob Zachney and Drew Scanlon on my monitor. It's just like old times. In Oakland, California. In Oakland, California. And as both of you can see from my webcam, uh, today my feed is sponsored by Home Depot and <laughs> the cardboard boxes that litter my office at the moment. Um, yeah, pretty much all moved in. I feel like once the internet's set up, you're moved in. Also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not bad. Glad I didn't have to move. That's lo- looking at Danny. I'm like, oh my god, was he moving for five years? But then, of course, I'd also he, the, ba- the baby sickness uh, is also is also yes. real. Having that hit up at the same time as a move, pretty rough. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad we didn't record this yesterday or the day before because I ha- I've have one of those sicknesses that is slowly sort of transition. It's on like a sort of a mission quest from my back of my throat up to my nose, and it's currently sort of in my head and a little bit coffee. Um, but I couldn't really speak the past few days. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm feeling much better now. Ready to talk about this race if it happens. Seriously, uh, we'll get to that. But if you are new to this podcast, welcome. If you are new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no assumes no prior F1 knowledge uh, and gives the lowdown on how the sport works and who everybody is. This year's primer is episode 59. So uh, if you want to listen to that, go back to episode 59. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience on patreon.com slash shift F1. Uh, every month we release at least one bonus podcast and bonus video exclusively for our patrons covering racing documentaries and films f1 video games primers for other racing series and a lot of weird things so if you'd like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff head over to patreon.com slash shift f1 or click the link in the show notes i just put a note on my calendar that says days of thunder and i'm very (laughs) excited about that yes uh me too it's been uh it'll be fun to to take a look at the fictional side of uh, motorsports also i have uh, been setting up my game capture stuff today so i'm hoping to get some of the um the backlog of f1 game history up this week and uh, another one next week yeah there's some there's some good stuff on that on that list that you have danny oh yeah looking forward to it uh all right so we've got japan coming up but first let's do the news what do you guys say yeah let's get into it all right rob you've been uh corralling our our giant list of articles into something uh speakable onto a podcast uh what should we start with yeah uh let's start with a quick serious update of something proceeding from that horrific accident in spa uh which claimed the life of antoine hubert uh the other driver who was involved in that incident uh juan manuel correa has just had a 17-hour surgery and from reading about it on mm. Autosport, it sounds like uh, the last time we did a check-in on this, he, as you might imagine, had some very serious injuries himself and complications from uh, the injuries uh, after that accident. Uh, the major concern right now seems to be uh, his right leg. And uh, according to the article on Autosport, they were contemplating uh, amputating the leg um, Korea, for many reasons, I'm sure, uh, it like wanted to avoid that if possible. So they went to this fairly involved surgery 
uh, to try and see if they can both uh, allow him to retain the, le- the leg and also allow it to return to fu- uh, full function. And uh, he released a statement, actually, I think his first one uh, that he's released since the accident. Uh, and among the comments he made, uh, did say that I understand my future regarding the recovery of my leg, specifically my right leg is still quite uncertain and that my physical rehab will be extremely long and complicated. Uh, so Correa is in the middle of... Uh, a really tough recovery uh, following a really brutal and heartbreaking accident. Uh, and all the best uh, to him, as as we've seen. Uh, comebacks from things like this are possible, uh, but they're also rare for a reason. And uh, it will be it will be tough to to achieve what uh, what, what I'm sure he wants to uh, as a driver. Uh, but right now, just you know, all best wishes and hopes for his recovery. Yeah, I'm. I was somewhat sort of um, relieved. Seems like a sort of a cruel word to use, but we didn't really know how bad he was, especially when he was in that induced coma. Um, and then you have those horrible memories of you know Zanardi and stuff, right? Where like there are plenty of drivers who have who have had catastrophic physical damage from crashes very similar to that. Um, so yeah horrible news to hear but also glad that it's not worse and zanardi does remind us that uh even 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 the loss of a limb isn't necessarily a deal breaker when it comes to uh making a comeback as a driver (laughs) as uh endurance racing fans have uh have seen and totally and also an olympic uh medalist as well yeah, yeah the the alex zanardi uh Olympic medalist, uh, cycling champ, uh, does seem to indicate that uh, the man was just an absurd competitor uh, and remains an absurd competitor. Uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, but haven't uh, isn't uh, what's what's the young British driver's name? Billy Munger. Mm -hmm. Yes, Billy Munger. Yeah, hasn't he started racking up pretty credible racing performances uh, of late in open wheel racing? I think he won a Euro Formula race. Right. I think, he, did he win the Young Sports Personality of the Year or something as well, I think, which is a big thing in the UK, BBC sort of show yeah. they do every year. Mm-hmm. I keep seeing, I follow him on Twitter and I keep seeing him like at races and at awards. God, the, 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 uh, talk about the physical rehab required for something like this, but like the mental strength of some of these people is just staggering. Yeah. Even when you talk about Kibitza, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just like anyone who's had like that sort of damage that stops them doing the thing that they feel like they were put on this earth to do you know it's yeah. robert uh, wiggins right he actually just uh got married recently and his whole um uh his goal with the uh, physical therapy was to be able to dance at his wedding and then of course oh. there's a video of him doing that it's just yeah. the most heartwarming thing and he, he just seems like an amazing guy all around as well um so yeah good luck to uh one manuel and um glad to hear that he is uh, like it was it was uh, touch and go i think from the sounds of it uh, for a while there when he was in that coma so uh, good mm. to see he's out of it and uh, on the road to recovery um pivoting to slightly happier news at least for me sochi's days might be numbered oh uh, my i just Lord. put this on the list because it, it sort of caught my eye uh there is a track not far from st petersburg uh cora drive Designed by uh, the Tilka firm. Oh my God! And it is—it was designed from the ground up to be 
F1 compatible, uh, certainly. But here's the thing. I was looking at the aerial photo of it, and I was tracing a lap around it, and I was like, that thing looks tiny as hell. I was like, that, that's not a real racetrack. And sure <laughs> enough, it would be the second shortest track uh, if they made it an F1 course. It would be about so four So only kilometers. bigger than Monaco. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it does look. It looks big until I realize that the other track is a different track. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> what threw me for a minute. For a minute there, I was like, "Oh hell yeah, that looks fantastic!" And then I realized I was looking at a, a karting track um, in a corner of the it's complex. Very, it's very like Circuit Paul Ricard. Yeah. Yeah, and so much though, and, and listen, uh, I admire the work y'all did last week uh, talking about Sochi, and um, I thought it was an interesting show. I don't know how you guys manage that because, like, I find I I found this Sochi just kind of excruciating uh, after the retirement. So I am I am all for any solution here that gets us to a real F one facility. Uh, purpose-built F1 facility uh, away from... I mean, so with the drivers, right? Like, uh, the the funny thing about watching any of the driver interviews before Sochi is that whenever that inevitable question comes up at every single race course, what do you think of this track? Blah, blah, blah. Half of them are feigning interest. Some of them are just... Kimmy's just saying it's kind of boring. Like, And the rest of them are kind of saying, hey, it, it's my only my first time here, so maybe it'll be <laughs> And Botas is you know. like, this track rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so the thing I did notice, I think it was in the uh, story that race fans put up. Apparently, if I have this right, there is sort of a ready-made extension for the track that they can put on uh, if they decide <laughs> to go that direction. So its its final layout might be slightly more F1 shaped. Uh, okay. But yeah, so it, it it could be in in a couple years time uh, that I will rue the day I was pushing for f1 to go to agora drive but for the moment i i would be if somebody said like hey hey rob that was the last wa- that was the last race you're going to watch at sochi i'd have been like damn right good <laughs> out of the frying article. pan into the agora drive it, it sounds it sounds like a dark souls area or something <laughs> uh it, this article also points out that it's much further north and so it's near to finland so also this I wonder could... weather-wise, would they have to change it then? Because so the only reason you can do it in Sochi it, is it's a, like because even now, like Moscow's got like a bit of it gets nippy and can get like quite snow laden. I think around this time of year, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I like snow football games. Yeah, <laughs> just make the tires orange. <laughs> Look, then then we can just officially have like one race a year where like the odds of someone beating a Finn. Uh, with the rally experience is or is just right. like infinitesimal. Uh, I guess St. Petersburg is pretty far south, so it's yeah. I, I think I, I think it would probably be fine. Uh, it's not not. I don't know what this news means, y'all. If y'all figured this out, so Motorsport Network made an announcement right. that they were going digital first, and I think it, us and us here in games, we've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it generally doesn't bode well for anyone whose primary business is putting out a magazine uh, and print and relying on print ad revenue. But nevertheless, uh, they're going to a digital first op- uh, option. And then the weird thing I noticed is people online were talking about that it sounds like Autosport, the print edition, is pretty much doomed. 
They, they, yeah. they think uh, this is going to be the end of the line for that magazine. But they did say that they're doubling the price of it, but they're, in continu- they're going to continue making it. Uh, what do you guys make of all this? Uh, to me, this is just like another, you know, this has been the case in print for 15 years at this stage. Like anyone who falls under a certain am- amount of um, whatever it's called, the 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 circulation or whatever it just becomes like a, a noose around your neck it, it just weighs down it, it, you bleed out of it basically um uh yeah like ad rev dropping and and circulation the way people connect to like especially in sports because it's such a fast-paced news cycle the same way games is now as well everything has kind of just gotten that way that like it's really difficult for for any outlet that's that's focused on print and i also get it that like you look at something like Game Informer, maybe in the video game space that we're used to, that was, uh, you know, a very, that has one of the highest circulations in the world in terms of magazines. I think it's the third highest circulated magazine in the United States. But even that, they have to, organizationally, like within their editorial team, have to, you know, set up differently to work in a, yeah. a day-to-day rather than a monthly. So I can imagine this just being part of a, look, strategically, we need to focus on you know, not worrying about the print mag so, so much and having that just be like, you know, another part of our business, but not the focus or as it sounds from everyone talking about it, they're basically going to shutter it or it'll, it'll probably go the way the Dodo soon enough. Um, yeah, it sucks, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, as somebody who uses their website and does not, uh, subscribe to the magazine, <laughs> no, because I wasn't that surprised. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a shame to see it go. I guess like it's not a it's not a mainstay over here in the U.S. Uh, certainly, the way that it is in 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 Europe, uh, that it it seems to be, judging by you know people like Will Buxton tweeting about it and saying ah those were the days, um, but uh, they do good work. You know, we we subscribe uh, with with your Patreon money uh, to their plus subscription, um, mm. and uh, they do well they worth do it. really good work. And it's well worth it. Yeah. yeah, they actually just supported, uh, posted, sorry, um, a an article that uh, for their plus subscribers um, about like what happens during the practice sessions that I thought I thought was fascinating. So I, I can link that in the show notes. Again, it's a subscription required thing, um, but uh, you know, just just diving in a little deeper than um, you know the rest of uh, the F one media world. That is the the flip side of this is I saw the price they were charging for the print edition and I was sort of sitting there being like, man, if you are already like a really dedicated fan of Autosport and uh, like and the stuff that is on Autosport Plus, you could probably get away with charging people a little bit more like I like to an extent you're dealing with a really self-selecting audience right there, like Mm. both. The reason my parents still have cable is so that they can watch F1, like straight up. Like they would not have cable anymore if not for that. <laughs> uh, and, and so I think that's kind of the mindset you're you're dealing with here is it's not like you're, you're no longer targeting the person who's picking up a issue of autosport at a newsstand uh, somewhere. Right, I think yeah. if, if you're if you're pointing your browser over to autosport or or getting it delivered in the mail, chances are it's because uh, you have the same. <laughs> brain worms that we do i suppose <laughs> and uh you just need this fix uh and we are gonna get a fix aren't we drew we are uh with the 2020 formula one calendar which has been officially signed off by the fia 
22 races. Oh, boy. Next year. The biggest uh, list in history begins in Australia uh, March 15th and concludes in Abu Dhabi on November 29th. I think Max Verstappen was saying uh, this is going to cause a lot more divorces than usual. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I am not betting against that because that seems brutal. Uh, two new racetracks will be added to the schedule. Vietnam, which will happen on April 5th, and the Dutch GP uh, on May 3rd, both subject to their circuits being fully homologated. Uh, according to autosport.com. Whoa. Um, and interestingly, uh, as formula1.com points out, the two in-season tests, which this year took place in Bahrain and Spain, have been removed from the 2020 schedule, placing a great emphasis on testing parts in fr- Friday free practice sessions. So um, I, we didn't really talk about it too much this year, uh, if at all, really. But there is a a preseason test where everyone tests their new cars uh, in, um, in uh, Barcelona, Catalonia, uh, and then there are these couple handful of in-season tests uh, that take place, but no longer. They will have the beginning, uh, the preseason test, and that is it, uh, besides free practice sessions, of course. Uh, I, I, for one, am looking forward to seeing what these new races are like. Uh, the Vietnam track looks weird. Yeah. Uh, and the Dutch GP is just going to be the Max Verstappen show, so that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's just like every other race in you know Central Europe. At this well, no, this time you won't even see the race because there'll just be like clouds of orange smoke between the cameras and the race. Uh, and yeah, so, yeah. When so when he crashes on the opening lap, like he's done a couple of times this year, and we hear that, oh, it'll be the entire <laughs> racetrack this time, right. <laughs> and not just like one section. Um, what I'm most excited about is both of these races are super early. It's race three and five. Like that's that's going to be a lot of fun stuff to look forward to right away. And it's all sandwiched in. Like I think Australia and Bahrain have always been strong, fun tracks. China, I don't know, can kind of take it or leave it. It's all right. Um, and then Circuit de Catalunya afterwards. I think like the first you know stint we're going to have next year is going to be kind of rad like uh, especially with tracks that no one's driven on because it's always interesting when we we go to a track that maybe people have well i guess i, I don't know when was the last time we were at zandvoort actually is there anyone is kimmy no. driven on no. it or in another no. discipline even or like this dtm or the f2 never like i i wonder I if anyone think has... road car drivers the only ones who've been on zandvoort in a while i wonder if max has been on us in a road car then yeah. Or cars, cars, like, I don't know, you know, some lower spec thing or high spec car thing. Does that exist? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's, so it should be fun. The, yeah. The Vietnam one looks, the Vietnam one looks like somebody made a circuit, like a, like a robot made a circuit out of the negative space created by other circuits. Like, it's mm. just kind of like, yeah, it's like, it's like the, it's the yang to Herman Tilke's ying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will say in re- response to all this, the, the Verstappen quote was, uh, w- was interesting, I thought. Um, he did sort of make the comment that, uh, oh gosh, what did, what does he say? He said, uh, for most people, it's at least five or six days, and then I'm not even complaining about us, but it's the mechanics. They can file for a divorce straight away if there's going to be more races. Uh, but he, he, the point he was making was, uh, like it's fine for it's fine for drivers, uh, but you know he said 
mechanics and crew arrive Monday or Tuesday to build up everything up while the big bosses arrive on a Saturday or maybe even a Saturday morning and fly even during the race back home. Uh, for them, the bosses, it's not a problem. They can easily do 30 races because they're only away for three days. For most of the people, it's at least five or six days. And I thought that was actually an interesting comment and it was probably one of the... It's one of the few times I can think of a driver doing more than just sort of paying lip service to like how hard the team works and what a great job the crew is like him sort of pointing out that the people in these meetings deciding, yeah, hell with it. Let's extend the season. Let's do a bunch more races. They are not the ones who really are where the rubber meets the road on those decisions, right? They are not the, they are not the point that bears friction uh, in, in, in these decisions. And when you lay it out that way, uh, that is a grueling schedule. If you are one of those, if you're in that class of like first to arrive, last to leave, uh, mechanics that becomes that, that does become a pretty major obstacle to living a normal life. Uh, Steve Matchett, I think when he wrote about like after He's written a few books, but the one where he talks about like his experiences uh, in the pits, I think he sort of made the comment that it's almost like your life is on hold while you while you're part of the circus, and right. it, like why was he pretty ready to hang it up at a fairly young age? Uh, part of it was because you know, with the exception of the mid season break and then a few months of like vacationing between seasons, even twenty years ago, uh, twenty five years ago, the F one schedule is pretty. It was a pretty huge obstacle for people in that category. Yeah, and I feel like, um, like I wonder if at least partnering with close to China, because like the longer trips as well, I'm sure are probably the most irritating part of this. And so it was Baku that used to be in that spot. It was China and then Baku. So Vietnam has basically like gone in above China and Baku has been dropped down into the sort of the european melange well mm -hmm. right before canada but like azerbaijan is like it's like a it's as far as the russian stuff probably right it's like a long european flight rather than a tr transcontinental flight for for most of the teams that are based in you know central europe and, and in the, the uk um so i wonder if at least having china and vietnam which are you know relatively close together and they're you know in in the grand scheme of things um uh might be helpful in some way but god that european leg looks weird now spain monaco azerbaijan canada and then back to france austria britain yeah it's tough i mean i feel like if you're getting into this line of work you kind of know what you're setting yourself up for maybe yeah, yeah. I, I will say i think um i think was it perez who made the comment? Yeah, Perez even pointed out that if if they keep going this direction, there might be a point where you need to have two crews, uh, which mm. I think is interesting. And that's where there's nothing stopping teams from doing that right now, except it would except be really money. costly. And yeah. so I think that's going to be the that's going to be the sticking point is how much can you put on uh, the crews before at a certain point you just need you just have people saying no, I'm, I'm going to do half that number of races. Um, yeah. The, the alternative, I'd be curious if you shrunk an F1 crew. That could be interesting too. But put limits on the amount of people. Yeah. It's still all the logistics stuff that you're kind of like. Yeah, that's that true. Just needs the, to be yeah. the people, right? Yeah. yeah the the pit crews are so huge because you already need that number of people, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if there is a way of like because even now it's messy, right? We've got. 
it's the, the end of the season is still that weird lump of you know Singapore, Russia, Japan, America. Like it's I it's it's a bit all over the place. I don't like having Singapore, you know, close to Vietnam and China and Japan. Like having that be like the sort of you know Asian you know wing of it, and maybe Melbourne in there as well. I don't know. It's maybe all that would help, but yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Max Verstappen knows. He's not married, so he doesn't care. Uh, when it comes to long seasons, though, uh, probably nobody's had a longer season than Williams. Um, <laughs> Drew, did you did you see some of this? That there were some people curious yeah. about what happened to Williams at Sochi, uh, and why did it all go wrong so fast? Yeah, specifically, I think it was. Um yeah, you have it here. Orlin, the Polish sponsor for Williams, wanted to know why Kubica was pulled in and stopped uh, so early. Because uh, if you recall, George Russell's car um, went off at a turn and nosed into a barrier. Um, we didn't really know why. I think uh, Paul DeResta at the time attributed it to a suspension problem. But we have now confirmation from Williams that, uh, let's see, this is the senior race engineer, Dave Robson from autosport.com. Uh, we have we found an issue with the wheel nut retainer on George's car, which led to the right front wheel not sitting perfectly. This caused a lockup under braking. And then he explains that, um, unfortunately, we were forced to retire Robert's car due to the amount of accident damage we have sustained in the Singapore-Russia back-to-back races in order to preser- protect ourselves going into the next events. The team has worked extremely hard to ensure race quantities have improved ahead of Japan in the final races. So I initially thought that they uh, pulled in Kubica for uh, for safety reasons. Like if this yeah. happened on George Russell's car, it might also happen on Kubica's car. And that is kind of maybe uh, what happened, except that for a different reason than safety. They wanted to bring Robert in so that he didn't break anything else on the car because there are no replacement parts. So, I mean, you're right, Rob. It's just, it's, it's kind of a, you know, what happened at the beginning of the season. Williams didn't have a car ready for preseason testing. It's, it's grim. Uh, You know, the, the rich energy stuff aside, it's unusual that you find a sponsor basically asking like the hell's going on over there. Uh, of yeah. a team, and maybe this is also stemming from just how disappointing and frustrating the Kubica return uh, has been for 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 some of his supporters. But also, I can understand where it's it's at a point where some of these sponsors might be asking, like, "Hey, why why is my logo not out there running full race distances? Uh, why yeah. are why are cars just being pulled in?" And to be back at this place of well. We're basically on a shoestring again at this point. We can't if we break some if we break this part a couple more times, uh, we won't be able to complete the next Grand Prix. That's a really dispiriting place to be. But maybe some light is shed on it by the fact that they are apparently testing an experimental front wing uh, this week in Japan, and so is Renault. Uh, by the way, but the difference is Renault mm-hmm. is trying to get a wing design in place for the season so they can rack up some places uh, this year. Williams are basically saying, eh, we want to try this wing concept out for next year. And so between the, like, lack of parts and them maybe rolling out a new wing, it really feels like we knew this, you know, we've known this for a while that this year was a write-off for Williams, but now we seem to have hit the part of the year where there is no further investment coming. 
uh, in this year of the ra- of, of the car, it is now, you know, can we finish the season and what testing can we get done for next? Yeah, I um I also found a, an interesting thing on Reddit showing uh, Kubica's steering wheel. Um, mm. And it it's cool because it has most of the buttons on the left side of the wheel because his right arm right. still does not have, uh, you know, he doesn't have full use of it. So uh, I will link a picture of that in the, oh, yeah, in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, that's, a, that's fascinating. Somebody emailed a quote. Sorry, we get loads of emails and I read all of them, but we not everyone is good for conversation on the podcast but we got a good one where somebody had a quote for me from like 2014 or like the first year we did this saying why robert would never be able to come back because of his hand oh wow Um, and it was it and it was interesting because i've just come back from we were filming a a little doc on able gamers who are the folks who make bespoke controllers for people who have you know physical who aren't sort of like aren't able to use standardized controllers as we know them and a large part of it is like for folks who have like maybe uh, poor motor functions in one of their hands is having it so that you can do most of the buttons on one side of the controller which is basically what they did with his um with his wheel or one of the things they've done with his wheel it's really cool i also do just wonder like whether his performance has that much to do at all with the actual injury or whether it is mostly about he is considerably older than he was. And unlike a lot of guys who like stay in F1 the entire time throughout their aging process and are competing at a high level, like he kind of had to fight his way back in, but he wasn't driving F1. And I do wonder like how much of the everyone falls off when they're aging, but how, like how much is that kind of intensified when you're not, doing it week to week right when you're not when when you're not living the life of an f1 driver uh for for Mm. so long uh last thing that just sort of caught my eye at least was sorry uh, one more thing i just want to point out that this uh, i guess worth mentioning this wheel was not available to kibitza until monza Uh, i think (laughs) maybe similar supply chain problems but uh yeah it took them that long to um to build it or or get it to they didn't get to him yeah, I think he's been using like a, a you know uh, a George Russell style buttons <laughs> oh, yes. everywhere, and George likes all sides. the buttons on the, yeah. the, that side. So, so yeah, he got this one at Monza, and also you can see in the picture that the the right side is also taped up with like some gri- grippy tape. So okay, yeah, great, great. Oh, cap, drive to survive, man. Hopefully they spent a little bit of time at Williams again. That's yeah. that's really frustrating. <laughs> His custom wheel. Oh my god, Monza's so late in the season. I know. Um, hey Robert, F1 cars have gotten a million more buttons, so we're going to ask you to learn how to use it, and then we're going to ask you to learn how to use it again yeah. in like eight races time. We're, you know that Go. wheel you asked for, we couldn't, it's not ready. Uh, can, you just, can you just drive this bad boy uh, one-handed? Uh, you ever seen that scene in uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? John Candy trying to drive the uh, drive the car with his, <laughs> with his arms tied to the, to the seat? Yeah. Uh, so last th- last thing though that, that caught my eye was so as they're trying to hash out the 2021 regulations there's all this conversation about keeping costs down cost controls and one of the solutions put forward is let's do more standardized parts and a lot of teams hate that uh, a proposal that's getting traction really fast is open sourcing some part design Ooh. and a lot of teams seem way more receptive to this. And it's interesting to, like, I always figured it was a way purely for richer teams to maintain their competitive advantage that you can just, you know, you can customize everything. 
and that is an advantage that you can get over over your rivals. But one of the issues, uh, and this was covered pretty well in an Autosport uh, article, is that a lot of engineers don't have, like it is trickier to get a standard Authorac component to play exactly nicely with your bespoke components in the way you want and have faith in that, right? Because like they're just there's different specs, uh, there's different tolerances, and so you you can end up with the standard part being its interaction with your custom components. It can be kind of a failure point, and so that's one of the major objections uh, designers and engineers seem to have to them. But an open source solution. What interests a lot, like like I think there are people from McLaren, uh, Ferrari, uh, uh, Mercedes, all sort of cautiously optimistic about this idea, is that you have a bunch of like F1 GitHub type designs just out there that people can look at, and then you can still customize it. But you don't have to do all the R&D to create these basic components. Mm-hmm. You can just take something that works off the rack and then build your team's version of it. And there's a lot that teams wouldn't necessarily feel too antsy about putting up in that that open source community because it's not really it's not like the design has secret sauce, it's more just you know, the the secret sauce is the components it's hooked up to. Uh so I thought that was an interesting an interesting proposal and I never wouldn't in a million years would think that that would be something F1 of all places would get into. But it looks to be one of the few proposals for controlling costs and standardizing components that's gotten any sort of like warm reception. Yeah, it's weird. I, I feel like I would be happy for these regulations to push some of those teams into uncomfortable territory. And I just, I worry that half steps will just event, won't make the sort of systematic change that a lot of people are, are asking for. Um, but it's yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm wondering at what stage because this is all presumably preseason stuff. So at what stage these designs would become open for other teams to replicate them? Like how much time would they have? Presumably they can't do this stuff mid-season. So is there like a window they'd have before the start of the season for it to start? Like it's, I'd say the execution on it, I'd say, could be a little bit messy, especially if teams are like, yeah, we'll totally do this, and then nothing is actually usable until like a week before the season starts. Well, speaking of things that may not be usable, Danny, let's get to the Suzuka track. (laughs) Fantastic. Yes, we're going to Japan, one of our favorite tracks of the year, Uh, one of the drivers' favorite uh, tracks of the year, and perhaps have maybe the most enthusiastic fans of any track uh, of the year as well. Um, there's a lot of things this track is famous for. It is the only figure eight track in F1. Um, uh, but uh, one of the main things that comes up every year, we talk about it, is the fans. The fans are great. They love Kimi Raikkonen. They love... I, I feel like every fan is represented. Japanese fans are very good at supporting a sort of a wide array of folks. The uh, The Rugby World Cup is currently going on in Japan. And there are great videos of the towns that were like hosting whales singing the Welsh national anthem like they all oh, learned wow. it before I know it's just it's incredible um Japanese fans are fantastic uh, the World Cup as well that was in South Korea and Japan a number of years ago was was another wonderful one and uh, we get to enjoy it every single year in uh, the wonderful 
global circus that is Formula One. Uh, this track also used to be, I guess, he keeps stuffing new races in. It's sort of, it's gotten further from the end of the season over the years. Um, it used to be the penultimate and the final race, I believe, in 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 years past. Um, uh, and as such, it it it's crowned eleven world champions. If you go back and watch a lot of old sort of uh, vintage, you know, like the Senna documentaries or stuff like that. Um, It'll often come up as uh, Suzuka uh, in those. Um, uh, so world champions such as Nelson Piquet in 87, Senna in 88, 90 and 91, and Arprost in 89, those being very famous uh, <laughs> endings of uh, seasons as well with crashes in many of those cases between the drivers. Uh, Damon Hill in 94, Mika Hakkinen in 98, 99, Shumi in 2000, 2003, um, and even Sebastian Vettel in 2011 during those runaway Red Bull years. Um <clears throat> It's got bunches of interesting turns. It's it's a sort of a, you know, it's got a lot of unique turns. This one, it's kind of designed. I feel almost with bikes, perhaps maybe in mind. Um, it was used as a bike track for a long time before F one kind of got got the keys. Fuji was was often used for road cars, and then Suzuka kind of got respect in the nineteen eighties to make it up to F one standards. Um. One of the things that happened was the uh, Degna turns that we enjoy now, which are the turns right before the uh, the you go underneath the bridge on the the eight. Um, and I, I looked up what it was about those because I always wanted to know what the, the story was behind them. Apparently, that used to be one turn, um, uh, and it was named after a German motorcycle rider called Ernst Degner, who uh, spent the early part of his career riding for East Germany's state-owned uh, MZ team. He actually had a really bad crash on the original one turn, um, got very badly burned, and uh, the when they redesigned the track, uh, even though he didn't ride, it was it was like you know for I guess the opposite team, the the Japanese teams, they decided to name the track the turns after him, just as a as a sign of respect for his his prowess and for the the crash that he had at that turn. Um, but there's loads of famous ones, like of course we've talked about 130 R um, uh, Spoon Curve, which is this crazy. It's kind of like the the opening turn in China or something. It's like a very wide sort of like you, you, you curb to curb ter- corner where drivers touch both cur- the outside and inside curb during mm-hmm. the sort of course of taking it on. That's where um, uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel tried to pass Max Verstappen on the inside and spun himself last year. He d- he did, he did. Just in case you've forgotten, with all the subsequent times the two of them have collided yeah. over the year, over the past year or so. Um, yeah, one thirty R, which was uh, which isn't really one thirty R anymore. Apparently, it's either I think it's eighty five R, and then maybe one hundred and forty R or something. It's like it's because it was named. It's it's named. It's one thirty R because it's the radius, right? But the but the, and it's a right handed. Well, no, this it's a radius. It's not the the right hand. That's how we we talked about this on a previous year. Every year, I always forget these things. <laughs> I have to go back over them. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, I think in terms of like actual places for people to keep an eye out on stuff, um, the opening of this track is always very uh, interesting because the first turn is basically taken flat out, um, but they're all trying to find their breaking spot for the next uh, part, which is, it's like, it's taken at heavy speed the second turn, um, and it's almost like a double apex as well. And last year we had quite a lot of calamity there, actually. In a lot of years, you've, you you get quite a bit of um, 
uh, people touching or getting in the wrong side and whatnot. Um, so that whole thing is really interesting. It's kind of all things are fine when they hit the S's after that um, and then head up to the Degners. Spoon is basically the sort of the the most important in terms of overtaking on this track. There's only one DRS straight. It's on the start finish because the back straight leading up to 130R has got a little bit of a bump where the bridge is, where you're going over it again. So it's kind of dangerous for them to do it. That and also the fact that they'd have to manually turn off DRS because you don't necessarily break hitting 130R. They tend to coast and then turn left. So it's kind of a little bit messy. Um, So spoon is really important because basically you're trying to retain as much speed as possible on 13 and 14 because you're hitting this massive straight and then hitting 130R and then going downhill into that little, uh, the famous chicane where Prost and Senna came, came together. Um, so that, that 130R and the sort of uh, the, the spoon curve before it is kind of where a lot, where a lot of the action we're going to see. Although people have been overtaking all over the place this year, so who knows? Keep your eyes on Max Verstappen. Um, one little note that I didn't really know before, the Ferris wheel that's there. There's a couple of tracks that have Ferris wheels um, or little, you know, things around them. Uh, apparently there is a, uh, a place called Motopia. There's like a little amusement park there that you can go to. Kind of like Abu Dhabi, you can go to Ferrari World or um, I guess Sochi's got loads of that sort of stuff around it as well. Um, yeah, Motopia. Yeah, it's got lots of like little go-kart stuff and things like that for the kids. And the fans pack the stadium pretty much all weekend long. It's uh, it's uh, just outside of Japan's third biggest city. So there's uh, always a decent amount of people there and uh, some of the best fans in, in, in motorsport and some of the best fans in sport, to be honest. Fantastic. Um, we've got the C1, C2, and C3 tire compounds going into the weekend. Soft, uh, soft, soft. Everyone, most everyone is just taking one hard tire. Uh, and the differences are coming in the mediums. Uh, the most common is one hard, three mediums, and nine softs. Uh, mm. Mercedes is taking four mediums and only eight softs. Um, but uh, it looks like the Renaults and the Haases, two mediums uh, and ten softs. So, a uh, few different strategies. Although the, all those might go out the window because we might not be racing on slicks. Everybody, uh, I'm just going to point out here from weather.com um, on practice day Friday. We've got uh, winds out of the north northeast at uh, 14 kilometers per hour. Then it picks up a little bit on Saturday to 80 kilometers per hour because there is a typhoon currently heading directly for the circuit. Uh, typhoon Hagib- Hagibis? Uh, Hagibis? Hagibis? Hagibis <laughs> sounds like a sort of a foot, you know, foot rot. <laughs> however you pronounce, or yeah, or a Scottish uh, snack. <laughs> uh, however you pronounce it, it is currently classified as a super typhoon which uh super typhoon yeah as someone in the the cloth map discord pointed out would be a great name for an arcade game totally um, or a super formula team um, <laughs> yeah worth mentioning that typhoons are this is a relatively common issue with the japanese grand prix yeah. we had a, it was a 2010 there there was the year that they did the qualification before the race because of the the wet the, saturday yeah on this on the saturday morning Right, and then also, so the, the 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 reason why some people are thinking that they might be particularly careful this year, while it wasn't necessarily the cause, it was this was a factor in what happened in twenty fourteen, um, where we sadly uh, lost. Well, I guess we lost Jules Bianchi in twenty fifteen, but the crash that he had at um, 
the circuit was during a wet race because of another typhoon. So perhaps that might play into it maybe maybe the i mean like you said drew before we recorded we now have the virtual safety car as a result of that uh we also now have the halo as a result of uh that so you know maybe maybe the things are in place but they maybe don't be so surprised especially with new race directors as well if they're if they're a little bit um you know uh hesitant or cautious with this one i doubt we'll get another if it rains out i doubt we'll get like a standing start again uh, you know, they've only done that once this year, right? Because we've had a couple of safety car restarts, but we haven't had, we've only had that one. Did we have one standing star in the start of the season? Am I remembering that? I, yeah, I don't know. I know we've had at least one in the last calendar <coughs> year, but I don't know if that was this season yeah. or last year. Yeah, I think it was, uh, sorry, this season, right? I think that was a new thing this year. I have to. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah. I, I think another concern here is um, a race director may not or may call the race due to weather because of uh, the medical helicopter not being able to fly. You're right. I forgot that was an issue in 2014 as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. That was why they yeah called it off early. Uh, all right. That's Japan. Anything else on Japan, you guys? It's a cool country. We should go there. We should. Uh, yeah. Driver standings. Lewis Hamilton on top, 322 points. Valtteri Botas in second with 249. Chuck Leck, 215. Max Verstappen, 212, right behind him. Sebastian Vettel with 194 is in fifth place. Then we've got Gasly with 69, Sainz with 66, Albon's got 52, and we jump a little bit down to Norris in ninth with 35. Danny Rick and Nico Hulkenberg in 10th place tied with 34 points. We've got another tie for 12th with Kvyat and Perez with 33 points. Uh, that's a tight battle there. Kimi Raikkonen's got 31, Magnussen with 20 Stroll with 19 in 16th place. Then we jump down a bit to Grosjean with eight. Antonio Giovinazzi with four. Uh, Bobby K has one. And George Russell with zero points. Constructors. Got six drivers within like four points of each other there in the middle. Yeah. That's, all, to, yeah. all to play for, for ninth and tenth. Four, it's four drivers within one point of each other. I think that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Mercedes has 571 <laughs> points. Uh, we're probably getting pretty close here to where they can mathematically take the championship. Yeah. Uh, Ferrari has 409. Red Bulls in third with 311. Then we've got McLaren with 101. Uh, Renault with 68. Scuderia Toro Rosso with 55. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna miss saying that if we change to uh, mm. Alpha. What is it? Alpha Tori. Alpha Tori. Uh, they got 55 Ugh. points in any case. Racing Point has 52. Alpha Romeo with 35. Uh, Gene Haas and team have 28 points, and Williams has Uno. <laughs> What was Alpha Romeo going to rename itself again? Alpha Tori. Forgotten. Alpha Tori. No, 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 no. That was Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso. Alpha Romeo were going to rename themselves something else as well. Wait, what? Yeah, didn't we talk about this last week? Am I just making false memories now? I don't remember hearing anything about Alpha Romeo changing their their brand. But this may be an indicator that we are already confusing Alpha Tori and Alpha Romeo. <laughs> Did y'all see the Alpha Tori? Uh, <laughs> like trailer um, for their fall lineup of clothes we no. we've only briefly touched on it i would love to get your opinion rob i saw photographs it looks like a hitman level <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's kind of how it feels uh no it just it, it was it was kind of classic right like it was the idea that the brand was somehow transgressive or was about like rising up and fighting the man but obviously you have to make it the most anodyne thing possible so the brand is like people of the sun and it appeared like 
there were a bunch of super like super powered affluent hipster types uh and or like or like actually i think young preps would be the like what if young preps were uh destined to rule over us and people were just trying to keep them down and deny them it's it's like it's like the one percent are like revolting against the point zero zero one percent yeah (laughs) cool yeah it it, it it did it did very much uh seem seem like something uh that like a young trump kid or something might look at and be like damn that's me that's my that's my shit that's how i that's how it is to be me all my haters uh great speaking of uh no not haters at all these are these are uh the exact opposite people who are in our shift f1 fantasy league <laughs> i'm gonna do the top five for here from russia we have a seven way tie that is outrageous uh starting with team extreme lactose intolerance Whoa. then we've got champ 2018 ao and then we've got this is one of my favorites my heart will grow jean oh that's fantastic Eat Rubber, Bima Auto Works, Chicanery, Team Sweaty Mustache. Yeah. Then we've got a tie for second place here. Honda Power 8. And oh, jeez. Wrong place, wrong time, Roman. <laughs> uh, and then in first place from Russia, Dances with Williams. But overall, nice. the top five are St. Giovese Racing Team in fifth place. Jacked Up Racing in fourth. Third place is Dragon Ball GT. Then we've got boah, to the future part three and number one still on top rich volt f1 energy team paintwork pending uh okay <clears throat> can i ask you a question it's a very this it's been on my mind for at least 48 hours okay i i just got a car it's the first car i've ever like Whoa, owned myself thank you it's the first time i've ever i've i had my wife's uh beater for like the past four years like a 16-year-old RAV4. I drove my mom's Fiat Punto in Ireland. Well, that was... I was probably about 16 years old. I just got myself a car. It was a used car, but it's the first car I've ever owned. It's a 2018 Mustang convertible. Ooh. Yeah. So it was like... It was cheaper than the family car we were thinking of getting because I got it secondhand from Hertz. Oh. So it's an ex, it's an ex-rental. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Nice. Which, I've, which which can go either way. I've heard, but I you get it for three days, so it was it was like costly. I got it on finance. It's costly, or sorry, it was uh, it was a good. It was like a good price for it. But I also had three days of rental, so I could bring it to a shop and make sure it was okay. So it's it was in good good enough nick. It's got like forty two thousand miles on it, and it's only a two okay. car. But you know, whatever. It's that's fine. So in Ireland, it's really really expensive to get custom plates. Here, it's like unbelievably cheap in my mind it is because it's like 50 bucks and then like you pay like 40 bucks a year or something like that like it uh-huh. just seems crazy should i get bois <laughs> <laughs> oh wow i, I mean i've i'm trying i was trying to think something video gamey and i was like oh that's kind of lame i should do something f- driving. it is a car it is a car and I couldn't think of anything except Bois. I mean, Kim, the, the legend of Kimi Raikkonen will never die. So this is not like getting a tattoo you'll regret. Totally. Uh, also, 
this would be in keeping with the way that I like to do Halloween costumes, which is no one gets it except for one guy. <laughs> yes. And then that one guy's yes. like, yes. Totally. I'm. I, that's what I want to be. I want because I could call it like I could get like no clip or like so, like there's all these things that are just too on the nose. I think if you do it, it's gotta you gotta aim for that like tiny window where like no one no one knows. Uh-huh. They're like, what the hell does that mean? And then that one person who like drives up beside you at the stoplight and goes, "What?" <laughs> that's yeah. It's something that we you could say to each other. It's also one that. Uh, can vary in the spelling because you totally. know your your first shot might be taken already. I mean, but you it's just a add very a couple more A's or a couple phrase. like a W H. Totally. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah. All right. If you have any suggestions for other names, by the way, I'm all ears. Uh, emails at f1.cool or go to our website f1 no is it emails at f1 no it's not it's what am i fucking talking about it's shift f1 podcast at gmail.com or go to f1.cool slash emails and uh give me your suggestions you could do you could do h-e-y-p-a-s-t-r h-e-y oh my god i could get rich n-r-g n it would fit it would fit i don't think you want that one danny uh, what was the one you said? I could get... Hey, Pastor, but without the O. Oh, perfect. I could just get Pastor. Because what is it? I think it's like eight letters it's or seven. seven you've got. Seven, okay. Because yeah. Maldonado is mm. not fitting. Mm. Maybe you took out <laughs> the vowels. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. All right. Send in your suggestions. Do you, any, have any, Rob, any ideas? I just, just see you shaking your head with every idea that's been brought up. No, no, no. Sort so. of them nodding contemplatively. I think it was. Okay. I was trying to figure out a way you could fit Mission Winnow in, in there. <laughs> <laughs> what if I just got like MWMWM? That's basically just. I could just get Marlborough. <laughs> okay. You could, do, you could do. M A M S H N W N O. Mission winner. That totally works. I could get. I could to 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 really nail it. I I could get like a red and white. Yeah. Thing because you can change plate, which yeah. plate. Although some of them are really expensive. Some of them are like crazy expensive. The one that I think works. It's like cheap and works well. Is the I think it's the it's the classic. It's the nineteen sixty California one. It's the black with yellow text. Mm-hmm. One. Um, yeah because even the regular california plate is like 100 i think to get it done oh i didn't realize the retro ones were cheaper yeah it was one of the because they're the ones that sort of speak to me anyway and the car's gray so i was like oh that that kind of looks nice they don't Um, look good on every car but some of them they they look good yeah it's good stuff all right send them in yeah i'm gonna emails 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 it's not a few points i'll take this first one here from and anothy are we probably sure anthony. that's not it's probably <laughs> anthony i wrote that manually i'm sorry anthony <laughs> uh anthony says hey guys great podcast i can never wait for the newest episode from y'all oh, thanks anthony uh do you guys ever watch races from years past before a grand prix weekend i'm watching the japanese gp on monday before the race this coming weekend and i'm surprised at the juxtaposition from five years ago to now williams started stacked right behind mercedes on the grid Vettel isn't spinning around. Grosjean is off the track. Oh, wait. Uh, considering that the weather doesn't seem to look great for this weekend, do you think that it'll be a similar race to Japan 2014? Uh, Drew, it blew my mind that that was your face. 
I'm assuming this is an unrelated sentence. Congratulations, by the way, on your 32,000 or so in... Thank you. ...in, uh, in Biking yes. White Guy. Uh, uh, yes, BikingWhiteGuy.com. Donations are still open for uh, MS Research. Um, um, yeah, I think, uh, well, one year we didn't have a German Grand Prix, and so you and I, Danny, just played a full yes. uh, race distance of the F1 video game. Yeah. But this is a it's good... A- do that yeah i i definitely do a lot of this i don't tend to do it during the season because the weeks where we don't have races kind of do feel like weeks to let let it breathe so i can be even more excited for the next race weekend or something but in the off season i'm always watching especially now with the f1 subscription stuff on f1 tv with the, with the backlog um i love going back and watching them but uh i've actually really enjoyed i mean we talk about it a lot but the f1 youtube channel has gotten really good at making these little little short video bites that sort of pepper the days prior to the the race weekend starting um and they always have a bunch of like you know five interesting things that happened at suzuka or five in, in, interesting you know overtakes that happened at this race or whatever and that's for me is always a really interesting like sort of uh what would you say, like palate cleanser or something to be like, oh yeah, of course, like that's when Kimmy was on that team and this yeah. is when, you know, this team or was actually in the ascendancy. Psyched up. Yeah, totally. I, I Yeah, I, I think that's a lot of fun because you do tend to get, like sometimes it feels like, man, Mercedes has been dominant for decades. <laughs> that's like, it's simply not the case. Right, when and we you were, go see Fernando Alonso winning the championship in a Renault and you're like, <laughs> what? what is happening? Yeah, one of the one of the highlights in the recent one for uh, this race was Schumacher breaking down on like one of the last laps and Alonso overtaking him uh, to win the race. So yeah, it's like I like that stuff. It's kind of makes you makes you remember that it's just it's a certain time and place at the moment, and you know things change. Things change, and sometimes things change really quickly. Like Red Bull went from being pretty dominant to to really sort of fighting, being a cat among the pigeons there in in the space of. Uh, half a season so yeah or a space of an off season basically um so yeah it's uh yeah it's nice to be reminded of that uh will i get the next one Mm -hmm. yeah sure this is travis who hopefully i've spelt their name correctly Uh, i wanted to briefly mention this one this is a fun little video we sent over about false starts because we were talking about kimmy reichen's false start where he should have probably just gone for it really (laughs) is uh is what they were saying on the radio um so, in this is a video linked to a 2014 uh, MotoGP at our favorite track in Austin, uh, Circuit of the Americas, where Jorge Lorenzo just fucking goes for it, man. He, like, he false starts by, like, a good All second right, and a half. Let me see. And it kind of slows down, and it's just like, whatever. By the time the light goes out, he is already, he's gone from, like, fifth position to first. And granted, they, they line th- oh. uh, three and two <laughs> yeah, abreast. Yeah, he is. <laughs> He is gone. He's like, he yeah. almost has overtaken the first position. <laughs> yeah. So by the time they hit the first tar- corner, he's like, you can see it on the, if you look up the hill as they're going up there, he's like a hundred yards ahead of the rest of them. And presumably he was penalized for it pretty quickly afterwards, but it was, it was, a, uh, yeah, it was a fun little video to watch. The description um, in, of the YouTube video says, uh, Lorenzo later explained that he removed a tear off from his visor while on the grid, something he doesn't usually do. And when he looked up and saw the lights on, he suddenly panicked and took off too soon. Uh, blame getting out of his normal start routine or blame the pressure of seeing Mark Marquez on pole. Take your pick. <laughs> Fantastic. That's awesome. I do wonder, like, because the penalties tend to be a little bit 
one size fits all for certain types of infraction, but if you do it right at the start and like then you maybe take your time serving it, like in F one certainly track position is king. Like what if totally. what if what if Kimmy just kept going? That's like, what we were saying last week. Yeah. Is like, is there a strategy to do it? To like eat the ten second soft or whatever it is, but like do it like go on hards and do it like thirty. And you have to later. be like a mid pack person to pull that off, right? Like because you can't, you're not going to make it from the back to the front before the light. Right. Like for this plausibly to be a jump start, like you're just not going to pull that off. But like if you are in like eighth, it, yeah. yeah, I'm. I'd be curious. Uh, hey, someone try that. Uh, let's let's or, see what or happens. Like, imagine somebody doing it for a. Uh, like a teammate, like a team order situation where somebody does it um, for their teammate to like block off somebody else from doing it. Uh, the other one that I remembered uh, from years past was uh, Spa, was Maldonado in 2012, who it's it's probably the most egregious. I mean, Kimmy's was pretty egregious, but Maldonado's one, I'll I'll, I'll send the link in Discord, um, was uh, was pretty egregious too. We should stick that in the show notes maybe. It's, uh, okay. it's a fun one. And he was in, I think he was in sixth. <laughs> so... Nobody wanted to see that, especially that first turn in Spa. That's a that whole section's a bit rough to have a Pastor Maldonado in the mix. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, boy, he re- <laughs> Maldonado really. <laughs> yeah, not even close. <laughs> uh, our next one comes from Paige. There was a bit of talk about not knowing much about midfield strategy a couple weeks ago, and at the risk of sounding like an ad, have you guys seen the official McLaren app? I downloaded it on a whim a while ago, and while it's mostly pictures and videos cross-posted from other socials, track and race previews, driver profiles, and links to their store, during the race, quality, and practice, there's a banner at the top that says something like, in session, and tapping it goes to a live text commentary feed with updates from the team, including transcribed or at least paraphrased messages between drivers and the pits, updates on the whole field, and strategy commentary from the team. As a fan of that team, and especially both their drivers, I've enjoyed following it during races I watch live for some insight into the midfield strategy calls that don't get as much attention during the broadcast. For the life of me, I can't figure out how to access the archives of these in the app, if it's possible, but I was poking around their website, and you can look at them in the team stream under race commentary. And uh, there's a link which we'll include in the show notes. The app is newish, I guess, but they've apparently been doing these for a while since they have a link to the feed for previous year's races at the bottom. And I was able to look at commentary for the 2018 Russian GP where Alonso and Van Doren finished 14th and 16th. Ouch. <laughs> Looking through all the season's races like this makes them seem mo- mostly pretty exciting. I liked seeing what McLaren was doing lap to lap and what the drivers are saying during the race that maybe isn't interesting or entertaining enough to end up on the broadcast or the team radio roundup video. Signs especially seems a bit chattier with his engineer, asking about his pace, where his rivals are, what tires they're on, etc. The initial commentary explaining strategy decisions or other racing concepts are helpful too. It was also pretty telling how often Carlos's pace was matching Gasly at Red Bull and the times where the McLarens held him up or tried to take the fight to him. I'm biased for my love of the team, for I'm biased for my love of these drivers, but I'm happy I managed to stumble into this feature somehow, tapping around while watching the Belgian GP. I'm I'm definitely going to use this for them. This sounds that like a lot cool of fun. It, it's kind of like how we were talking about in Drive to Survive in, in those Patreon-only podcasts that you, you really got to just enjoy the midfield fights in those docs a bit because like they, they focused on a set, you know just a couple of drivers or two teams. Um, yeah, and I feel like Sochi would have been a good race to not care about what was going on at the front for quite a lot of it and, and to, to dive back into some of the battles that were happening um, in the mid-pack. 
so yeah, I'm going to use that during this race and uh, I guess report back. Do you have any interest in giving it a whirl? Uh, I, I... What the hell, I've Drew? Tr- that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what's, this, what's this equivocating? No, no, no. I, I've tried to... Um... It sounds great, but like I've tried to use the the F one official app uh, as well. It's just that right. um, I never watch the races live, and so oh, the yeah, fact that they course. like don't make it easy for you to number one not see spoilers on the front yeah. page of your app, yeah, uh, and number two queue up to like synchronize with the start of the race. I just never use these, so like it sounds really cool, but not for me, I guess. So here's this is the weird one though, right? Because Suzuka's on it. Like, well, we'll get to the times, but it's on Saturday night, right? Uh, it's yes, like the, it's like the one opportunity on the West Coast for one of these weird oh, ones yeah. to be at the right. Those are my favorite. Not even the right time, but just like a weird time. The the yeah. the insomnia depression Grands Prix uh, were, <laughs> were, were my favorites. Where it's like, damn, I just can't sleep. Oh, it's racing! Thank God. Uh, question: um, This this discussion, the description of this app reminds me of this because I've been scared to try this. There okay. comes a point where you realize you just wish you had live timing and track position at all moments of a race so you mm. could just see, right? If I don't watch a race live at all and I immediately go to the F1 app, is there any conceivable way I'm going to get to the fully featured, like with the with the circuit map and the um, timing and scoring data about last lap turned? And get to all of that without having the race spoiled on F1 TV. Yeah, the 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 uh, the, the paid app. The the I think I have gone. I don't. Uh, I, the the F1 TV when I go to watch the VOD version. Yes. I'm not sure what you mean by the time. I don't think the race data thing I have ever put up. Okay. Is there a separate track? No, you watch, watch you watch thing? the VOD, but you can toggle it between. Uh, you can watch what the broadcast was. You can see the cameras the broadcast right. was showing. But then without interrupting the broadcast commentary, you can sync it. You can transfer over to a circuit map, uh, which doesn't oh. show the camera, but just shows track position of all the cars. But like you're playing it in like Motorsport Manager. Oh, oh I've not done that. you can so go to a timing and scoring screen. Again, commentary is going. But at this point, you're seeing uh, how long everyone's been on their current tires. Uh, what their previous tires right. were and what their most recent split was, as well as I think their their best for this stint or something. Right. I'd not to hear. Um, we could probably just test this right now. Yeah, because like every every time I remember to want to test this, I'm about to watch the race and mm-hmm. I don't want to get it spoiled right. and I don't want to be like I do not want to like turn to my partner and be like, oh, I've I've got the best way for us to watch this race and then like no sooner have I opened it than like a highlight pre-roll shows us who won that will not fly right. so it can't it can't happen you yeah y'all watch the vods right yeah i watch it through espn okay oh i watch it on f1 tv um let me go back to say uh bahrain the thumbnails are usually pretty but you watch good. it live on f1 tv i I've, i watch vods on f1 tv pretty okay pretty frequently right but when you um, watch the vods like do they make it easy to avoid spoilers yeah, the the thumbnail sometimes has like a shot of them, yeah. like the start of it. So I kind of I squint my eyes a bit. Um, but let me go to yeah, like the opening shot for the Russian one looks like it has a, like a a shot of them going over like the like a helicopter shot okay. of the grid. Good. So yeah, as long as you're not looking at that, yeah. 
but at the start of the race if i go to race on this yeah i could see like the ferraris were cute were one and two. Oh yeah okay pit lane tracker it's all here okay yeah so tracker let me skip to the middle of the race so now i'm like 45 minutes into race tracker yeah that's showing it data is live yep showing it and then pit lane camera i never knew i could hit these buttons yeah no and that's see awesome. that's the thing is like I think one of the things that has dawned on me of Wait, late... you can go to the drivers during the race on this thing? Yeah. I did not. I never knew that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the no, fuck? The app is... In, like, it's an incredible... Again, not an ad, but it is a really good value. But it also, I think... I feel so embarrassed of, that I never hit any of these buttons on the side. It kind of highlights how compromised the broadcast presentation is in some ways. Like, right. because I think the other thing that makes midfield strategy kind of opaque is that if you don't have a circuit map up at all times and you don't like know what the exact strategy a team is running, the camera will cut to show you something, but probably you don't have the context you need to understand like why that call made sense because right. who really cares what a Haas is doing by lap 22? Like, sorry, but probably that's not what people are watching for. Uh, but yeah, like think about how much more you could just glean from watching the race with this app. Yeah, and it looks like it all works fine. There was there was no spoilers or wrong. The information looks like it's set to when it would have been during yeah. the broadcast. Yeah. The one so. thing I kind of wish that that <clears throat> that that app did. Uh, and again, this is only this is just the PC, the computer interface, right? They yeah. don't have I I don't think uh, this capability on phones or Roku's or Apple TVs or anything. Um, but what they don't do is if you click to a driver's uh, car cam, they don't continue to pipe in the commentary yeah so you're just hearing car noise and that's a shame uh radio which you know is cool i just wish there was an option to keep that going um will we get to the next question yeah cool just a bit of a clarification i kind of threw the 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 question out there last week about the whole um why teams pick certain engines and whatnot and this one came in from dennis um who said uh, i want to explain a bit more about the switch in engines for mclaren first of all mercedes engines are believe it or not cheaper than renault mercedes engines are also performing better on top of that mclaren are currently performing better than renault which is a risk renault i'm sure would love to be ta- uh, taking the fight to mercedes ferrari and red bull honda uh, currently they're being beaten by a consumer so the incentive is there uh, not to give mclaren the newest engines or best software for those engines mercedes is known to deliver the most up-to-date engines and software to their current customers racing point and williams those two obviously aren't doing great but that's because racing point was strapped for cash last year which probably means their development for the car was uh, for this year was compromised and are having a cash influx now, which means the team has to get adjusted to all the new people and whatnot. Uh, Williams is also strapped for cash and refuses to buy parts like gearboxes from Mercedes because, quote-unquote, they are a private team, despite the fact that they're hopelessly behind in development and all of those things. I heard they didn't have a carbon fiber gearbox casing until this year, uh, with them just coating the gearbox with no. carbon fiber last year oh, to pretend no. they did. Oh, to, no. to pretend, guys. That's we don't know if that's true or not. God for them, I hope it's not. Just to say, a proper outfit like McLaren likely won't be doing as badly in 2021 as those two are 
now. Uh, thanks can. for that, Dennis. And thank you for uh, adding to Rob's nightmares about <laughs> William. I thought that William's documentary was the saddest <laughs> thing ever that we could learn about Williams. Mm. But them like covering a gearbox with, car- with, with carbon fiber <laughs> so that nobody knows. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Claire, we got terrible news. It's made of our testing went poorly, and the only gearbox we could find that that were the only gearbox we could make that worked um, is corrugated sheet metal. Damn, <laughs> just, just paper mache. Just no one can know. This. Oh boy, uh, uh, Drew, you want to read this one about the uh, pronunciation? Perhaps the the last yes the last say on this. Yeah, so we have been uh, going back and forth on how do you actually say Charles Leclerc, uh, Charles Charles Leclerc, uh, Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Um, Chucky. Yeah, Eric writes in and says, in this short video from his Sauber days, Leclerc weighed in on the pronunciation of his name. Short version, both are fine, but Charles Leclerc is the Monegasque pronunciation. Charles himself seems to use the English pronunciation when speaking English, like in the clip from Drive to Survive or the heartbreaking radio after he crashed out of Hockenheim, where you can hear the S on Charles. Uh, as all that being the case, it seems like the only wrong or inappropriate way to say his name would be to use the English pronunciation while speaking Monegasque. Yeah, so this is uh, Will Buxton getting to the bottom of it uh, in, yeah, last year when uh, Leclerc drove for Sauber. And Leclerc said, <clears throat> yeah, you know, both are fine. Um, but if you're in Monaco, people would say Charles Leclerc. Right. Uh, and we just got an email in last second, which uh, was a piece of news that I saw uh, breaking over the past few days, but I didn't actually get to. Um, uh, I don't, we didn't talk about it this week. I'm going to see if I can copy paste this uh, image I have here as well um, into our our document here. Uh, but the question here is from Adam. He says, Hey guys, big fan. I've written it before. I wanted to get your take on the windscreen Indy cars rolling out for next season. From what I understand, it's fitted over the Indy equivalent of F1's Halo safety device. Uh, they've been hyping up tests via their official Twitter and driver's accounts, and it looks real neat. Very jet plane-esque. Uh, here it is on uh, Ryan Hunter Ray's car. I'm going to... Um, Drew, do you mind Googling that one just in case you can get the picture? Yeah, I'll, I'll um, find it for the show notes. Um, I was wondering if you guys had any take on this. Will we see a semi-enclosed cockpit like this at F1 anytime soon as the sport continues to work to improve driver safety? Or is this kind of a uh, hat on a hash, just sort of doubling down um, on what the Halo already does? Um, yeah, I, I like the look of it. I think this thing fits indie more and I than I think and I think um the halo f- fits f1 does does that make hmm. sense like the aesthetically I think this actually is a bit more American or something or more indie like it does look like um, an f14 yeah it totally yeah it's a it's totally different to what I thought it would be it's actually quite it's peaking higher it's like it's going up higher mm-hmm. at a higher angle or a sharper angle than the rest of the car does which makes it look yeah kind of like the 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 the, the screen on a, on a jet plane i think it's uh i think this incarnation is a little it looks a little bolted on uh, i imagine if since they're going this way uh future cars will look a little more streamlined uh but i think f1 tried this red bull i think uh produced this for indycar and they gave it to the fia to to try out 
And I think Sebastian Vettel said that because of the way that it warped the light, that it made him uh, dizzy. Mm. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't remember the exact specifics, but F1 went with the Halo instead. Uh, but, you know, the way these things go, I could imagine the FIA looking at how it does in IndyCar, uh, potentially replacing the Halo with it. But right now, I think they've committed to the, the Halo. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against them using this in F1 if it proved to work but yeah i think you know we'll we'll kind of see in the same way that indy we're looking at f1 for the halo stuff i think um similarly we'll 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 see that happening here here i'll put it in the i think i just got it in the notes there okay cool was i conflating this with i i seem to remember like what i i saw some stuff about the testing of the aero screen and i thought they were saying they're having issues with it staying clean during yeah. sessions or was that an issue with the previous test and this and this test largely solved that i think that i remember talking about that about a month ago okay. it wasn't that far ago so yeah i don't i don't know what's changed i just have big tear-offs on the front of it you have to I reach mean, IndyCar, or, uh, nascar does that full screen tear-offs on the outside yeah on the windshields do they have they have like little strings attached or something yeah, something yeah wow that's that's kind of badass just don't do it before the lights go out because you'll jump start right uh, all right, that's it for emails. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at ShiftF1 Podcast. I am at Drew Scanlon. That's at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Do you want to take us around the world, Danny? Let's go race around the world. Yeah. The IMSA WeatherTech Championship is at Road Atlanta for the Petit Le Mans of 10 hours. Uh, Gander Mountain <laughs> Trucks are at the Talladega Super Speedway for the Sugarlands Shine 250. Uh, yes, that's moonshine, ladies and gentlemen. Wait, what? NASCAR. Yep. 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 God damn, that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> supercars are racing at the Mount Panorama Motor Racing Circuit. Uh, for the Bathurst 1000, uh, this is one yeah. of my favorite races uh, of the year. Um, totally, I think Supercars.com is where you can sign up to watch that if you want. It's probably like it's probably like sixty bucks, uh, but it would probably be cheaper if you did it after the fact. It's a fun 1,000 kilometer race uh, through a really crazy course uh, in uh, the equivalent of uh, uh, Australian stock cars, kind of. Mm. Yeah, give you a picture pro- provided a bunch of very interesting it's provided a, a bunch of very interesting endings to races which you would not think would happen in a thousand <laughs> and it'll race that long yeah um yeah it's pretty cool supercars is fun uh world superbike is in argentina for their san juan round uh the nhra is at the z max dragway uh racing hot air balloons uh for the Carolina <laughs> Nationals. And we got NASCAR. Oh, my Lord. And they're also at Talladega, the hallowed ground for this, the... This is the moonshine again. Uh, close. It's <laughs> 1,000bulbs.com, 500. 1,000 bulbs. Where I want to buy 1,000 bulbs, dude. Where do I go? That will, uh... I can't remember, but you could Google it. Uh, it that's two bulbs per mile, everyone. <laughs> they sell a lot of bulbs on this website. I'll bet they do. The 100bulbs.com 500 starts in five days is the most confusing sentence I've ever read. 
uh, also it says on the top of their website uh danny you posted this in here uh roy sent us this the 2019 world solar challenge uh runs from this weekend october 13th through the 20th so next week um there are 33 teams here 31 teams with some truly wild looking cars i always like this is speed racer man yeah this is just i always liked uh concept cars as a kid and this this reminds me of uh one of the books that i used to have uh, looking oh, at all awesome. these weird things uh, I will... they're like single seater some of them look like kind of like cars but a lot of them just kind of look like 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 bicycles with internal areas where people sit and then just like, like an outrigger covered in solar panels yeah, yeah. They're, they're really bizarre and there's some big ones that look like oh you could just you could you could hang out in that <laughs> it's not just you in a cockpit it's like that's a you can put a tv in the back there yeah yeah and they go they go all over uh yeah i'd love to see uh west coast customs take a hit at a couple of these ones um but yeah they they go all around australia i guess it's a pretty big pretty big uh pretty long race it looks really cool uh but suzuka everyone formula one is there in eno suzuka city <gasps> mie prefecture nice japan <laughs> operated by the way by the Mobility Land Corporation, a subsidiary Perfect. of Honda Motor Company Limited. Go to Mobility Land, check out the Ferris wheel. <laughs> uh, we're kicking off. <laughs> they should be called Mobility Land. It's way better. Uh, it's, it's Japan also that has um, uh, Autopolis. Isn't that a circuit in Japan as well? Yes, you're right. I'm right. Yeah, Autopolis. It's a really good... Uh, they also have um, Twin Ring Motegi. Science the best. fiction movie in the 50s. Yeah, right. Fritz Lang's Autopolis. <laughs> uh, practice kicks off Thursday, October 11th, because Japan at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN News. Practice 2, <laughs> Friday, technically, at 1 a.m. on ESPN 2. Practice 3 is Friday, October 11th at 11 p.m. on ESPN U. Uh, qualifying for now is happening Saturday, October 12th at 2 a.m. on ESPN2. Uh, and then race coverage starts at 11.30 p.m. on uh, Saturday, October 12th on ESPN3, which I think I'm going to start recommending people watch because uh, that's where Sky puts their uh, little feature videos, some of which are mm. very interesting. Um, but then the race, everyone, kicks off Eastern Time Sunday, October 13th at 1.05 a.m. on ESPN. That's easier if on the West Coast. It's a beautiful 10 o'clock and change. 10.05, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I feel like maybe because, Danny, you and I recorded on a Monday uh, last week, but it feels like I've been away from Formula One for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And Sochi was kind of just happened. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> wasn't wasn't all that much to, to come from it. So I mean yeah, hopefully they get a race this week. I think, you know, we'll we'll obviously get some action over the course of the weekend. Um yeah, but you know, you know what? Safety first. That's not if it if it ends up being that bad, let's just take a knee on it and we'll 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 be back again in another week. But uh yeah, we'll have to see. Like you can never tell what market or market with weather stuff it could get worse it could get better uh fingers crossed it eases off a bit when we get some fun racing around a fun track yeah anything else rob 
No, but I think that's a good point about like the weather. Like now that I think about it, it's pretty revealing that arguably the best Formula One movie of all time culminates with the driver at Suzuka deciding it's too freaking wet to continue racing and calling it a day because motorsports are not worth this. Yeah. Yeah. God, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Uh, If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.